on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Alright, well hello everybody. Do you ever do anything in your life, no matter what it is, and you find out something that was so obvious and easy you should have already known it, all you do is say, I'm dumb! I'm so dumb! I Hopefully you haven't, but likely you have, and I just ran into a situation that says, I'm dumb, look at me, stupid guy over here. This is the Stone On Air podcast for February 22nd, 2017. I guess yours is all right after the day I'm having. And and actually, the the day's been pretty good. This This isn't even about the day. This is more about just stumbling on something I should have known from the beginning. You know, you think like, how did I get up this morning and tie my shoes? I'm so freaking stupid. <laughs> it's something very simple and it's mundane and difficult to even understand or to uh, to explain. But there's a little setting on this uh, on my, my podcast studio here. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone on Air podcast. February 22nd, 2017. Thank you for finding the show and downloading it and listening to it however you find it. And there's a very small little simple setting that I was not paying attention to for the last like two months. So it meant that I had to overcompensate in another area of a setting on all this to try to make sure that the the, the sounds all balanced out. I mean, I'm the host, I'm the producer, I'm the executive producer, the associate producer, the director, the janitor. I'm everybody here. It's a one-man show. And so if if something's off, I don't have somebody that I can ask to try to help fix it. And so I thought I, you know, I, I, I did a good enough job to get it where I needed to be. And it turns out all I had to do was just like this, like a little click of the, like move this to right here. Oh my God, are you kidding me? So anyway, I'm dumb, dumb guy, Brian Stone over here is stupid. Uh, but I'm happy to finally figure that out. So that's cool. <laughs> going forward, everything's going to be all right. Coming up here in just a few minutes, I've got uh, a couple of different things to talk about. The Stone Throw segment, I'll talk about tech shaming and what kind of phone you have and why you should or shouldn't be, more specifically shouldn't be, concerned about that. There's a guy named Clyde Stubblefield. Do you know who he is? Have you ever heard that name before? There's a chance you haven't. He's from here. He died last week, and he's got an incredible mark that he's made on contemporary music in the last 30 years that most people in this city don't know anything about. I'll tell you more about that here in a few minutes as well. Uh, touch on a few things here first as we get things going is the midweek download destination, the weekly dose. Thank you for finding the show at Stone on Air on any social medias that you use. That's how you find me, interact with me, like, share, always love, rate and review. You get the drill. You know how it goes by now. SunTrust Park, I thought I had a, uh, a, a tour put together for that over this weekend. I spent the weekend in Atlanta. 
that fell through. Somebody was trying to do me a favor. I wasn't in a position to really complain or look into it. Hopefully that's a postponement and not just a cancellation. What didn't get canceled, what did go through as planned, was the Sweetwater 20th anniversary uh, party and concert on Sunday down at the Sweetwater Brewing Company in Atlanta. Incredible time. I'll touch on that just a little bit here later on into the show as well. Um, this podcast will be continuing to hit the road here coming up soon. I'm trying to book different guests. I'm trying to do different things. I'm still working on the cheap, meaning free, so it's still difficult to figure out what's going to happen from week to week. But uh, two live remote recordings of the podcast that are guaranteed, or at least that are available. I don't know that they're guaranteed, but they're they're darn near close to that. The Road to Nightfall coming up early March. I've been basically given the thumbs up. You can do it. We just got to figure out the logistics. By Monday uh, the 27th, I'll have a better understanding of that. And so by the March 1st edition of the Weekly Dose, your midweek download destination, I will have more on that. Then the running of the Chihuahuas. My buddy uh, Brad Steiner over at Hits 96, I don't know if he was just joking about it or not. He said, hey, you going to do the podcast down the run of the Chihuahuas? I said, yes, I am. First Tennessee Pavilion, the market, CFC. I go down there and record all the time. Looks like I'll be down there whether he thinks I was serious or not. I am. And I'll be down there in May. That is uh, a Saturday, right? Whatever's the closest Saturday to Cinco de Mayo. I don't, I don't remember which day it is, but it is a Saturday. Couple of things before I get to Stone's Throw and phone and tech shaming. Bob Corker tells Trump to chill out. I like to see this when I got home from Sweetwater Brewing on Sunday evening. I picked up the Sunday paper. I am a tangible kind of guy. I like to have the paper in my hand until I recycle all of it and don't have the pieces that I need of it. So I don't have his exact quotes. But the headline is Bob Corker, Trump's White House needs to settle down. That's a bold take. No matter what the exact words after that, that's a bold take. We're dealing with a different situation here than we're used to. Bob Corker, of course, former mayor and Chattanooga guy, says, and a very prominent Republican. I mean, he's a very, very prominent Republican in the political landscape right now. And he's saying that this, this administration needs to chill out. And I think most of us agree with that. And a quick look here at Comcast and EPB. And I'm not hating on either one, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about this on any level. But reputations are built over time, sometimes short, sometimes long. Sometimes they're earned, sometimes they're not. And they're very, very difficult to to change the perception of your reputation. And the cable company world, the cable giants of the world, for the last 20, 25 years have gotten a bad reputation. Around here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we're now used to EPB. Fiber optics, cable, internet, thats I'd be willing to bet you don't know many people who don't have the electric power boards, cable, and internet fiber optic surface. One thing I've never completely understood, now I'm not, I'm not being a hater and I'm not being mad about it, but I've never completely understood why the city of Chattanooga is in the business of subsidizing our cable and our television. Not entirely on the surface, sure I understand why that needs to be a thing. But now I look in the, in, in the Times Free Press from, from, um, from Tuesday, from yesterday, that Comcast has now offered gigabit connections to all homes in Chattanooga as well. This is from Dave Flester's piece in the Times Free Press. Comcast added fiber wiring for up to 10 gigabit per second internet service for businesses in 2015 and launched its 2-gig fiber-to-home 
last year here in Chattanooga. So having the gig was EPB's first thing. We're like the first ones in the world, right? We're the best. Best city ever, right? Best town ever. Well, it's not just EPB anymore. And it's almost gotten to where if you don't have EPB, there's something wrong with you or something. And EPB is involved with everything in this city. And if you're not on board with them, you might not be able to participate in whatever it is they're doing. Whether it be a, I don't know, a farmer's market or maybe an expo or any other kind of business building kind of opportunities. If you're not on board with them, you might be excluded from that. All being taxed locally subsidized by the city of Chattanooga. I don't quite understand that. And I go to Nashville, and they've got the fiber optics up there too. It works incredible. There's no problem. I watch TV at my brother's house as good, if not better, than I do here. Downloadable shows, uh, lots of different DVR capabilities that aren't necessarily available through EPB. So I I, I just say this doesn't have to be a one-person game. And having local subsidies from our tax money to go up against private entities, I'm not really sure why the city is in that game. Oh, and my bill has gone up a lot recently, too, by the way. Just saying, speaking of tech, tech shaming, device shaming. Is that you? Probably not, but you know somebody like that. It's Stone's Throw. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? I've actually moved the high-tech studios, the remote podcast studios, up into my uh, what would be considered, I guess, a man cave here at the house upstairs, which is even, I guess, my entire house really is a man cave. It's not just up here. But anyway, moved it up here just for the sake of it, and this is actually pretty nice. I might do it up here from now on. And I can take this thing all around the city. And I'm planning on doing that, as I mentioned earlier, for the run of the Chihuahuas and uh, the road to nightfall as well. So hopefully see you around town. Come by. If you know there's an event going on, I'll be there. Come by and say hello. Right now i got my gin and tonic going. Got uh, my incense burning and just enjoying life here on February 22nd, 2017. Tech shamers. You know who these people are out there. We, We are in a culture. We love to shame people if we don't like what they're into. And what I've never quite understood is why Apple users, iPhone users, Macintosh users have always been so damn judgmental. And it probably is is because they revolutionized the industry 10 years ago. I mean, it was 2007. I remember people in line getting an iPhone that we worked I worked with over at the old station in 2007. That phone was junk compared to what we're doing now, but it was a a, a big deal and people were really excited. I understand that. That's fine. That's cool. But this concept of hating on somebody else because they don't have the same, what you consider superior technology, is really interesting to me. And part of it is, is because I, growing up, when I was younger, I hung out with people who were older than me. And then when I got older... I hung out with people and still do now hang out a lot of times with people younger than me. So it gives you this balancing uh, and sometimes unbalanced, but this up and down scale of perspective that might not be from your exact age group or your exact peer group, but there's, you know, they're close enough. 
And I regularly get snide comments. I've never owned an iPhone or any kind of Apple product because I've always been a PC Windows guy. And I was a BlackBerry dude before you did iPhone. And then iPhone clearly was better than the BlackBerry. I'm not trying to say that. But in this day and age, these technologies are virtually the same in a lot of respects and a lot different in others. And for all the reasons that you don't, I think, even understand. Now, I'm not a tech guy, so I can't sit here and begin to tell you what the huge differences are. But what I do know is, is that Apple, iPhone, they, what they've enjoyed doing is basically telling you what it is you like. Here's what you want. We're going to give you this product, and it only does these things, and it's only incredibly compatible with these other entities, and that's what you want. So here you go. Take it. Here's what you need. From what I understand from the Android world is that you can create whatever it is that you want your device to do. Now, here's the kicker. I am a simpleton when it comes to using my phone. I want to do the basic necessities. It's a mobile device. It's not even a phone. I barely even use a damn thing to make phone calls. I want it to get right to the point and do the things I need it to do and do it efficiently. But when given options in life, I always feel like you're going to be better off. If you're looking at what job you want to take, if you're looking at what car you want to have, if you're looking at what kind of device you want to use, the options available are always better than not having them, whether you're ever even going to use them. Here in the remote podcast, Stone On Air Studios, this board mixer I use, I use about one-sixteenth of what this thing is capable of doing. Why? Because I'd rather have more in case I need it someday if the price is comparable and sometimes less when it comes to iPhone and Android products. It's absurd to me that people have got latched on so much to this product, to this one thing. I mean, it's brand loyalty at its finest. I mean, you, you, it is, you could teach this in universities. Brand loyalty. iPhone users, the fanboys, the fangirls, the enthusiasts think they're better than you. It's absolutely absurd. If someone thinks that their phone... Their mobile device, whatever you want to call it, and the operating system in which it functions is somehow a judgment on one's character. That is a very dense and superficial human being. And that's fine. That's their problem. It's not my problem. It's not your problem. It's their problem. But what it is, is it's lame. And that's what's happening on this podcast going forward. I'm slaying lame. I'm slaying it. And when I see lame, I'm slaying it. And when I see frauds, I'm exposing it. If you're lying, if you're making stuff up, if you're being fake, I'm going to call you out. And if you're being just plain lame, I'm going to slay that as well. You want an iPhone? Fine, bro. If you want an Android, you want a, a, a Samsung, if you want a Pixels, Google, whatever the hell it is phone, fine. I Only people who care what phone you have are iPhone users. Nobody else cares. The best commercial is, and I meant to pull audio for it, but I ran out of time, is that commercial from several years ago where there's all these idiots talking in line, waiting in line about all this mumbo-jumbo about the new iPhone, and then there's a dude playing on his, I don't know if it's a Samsung or whatever, and it's like, yeah, I'm just a holding place uh, for somebody. Like, oh, that's not cool, bro. And then mom and dad walks up like, oh, is this where we go get the uh, iPhone? Yeah. If your mother thinks it's a great piece of innovative technology, then it's probably not. It's probably not. This is the newest from the Shins. 
hell, what is it called? I wrote it down here somewhere. I don't even remember what it is. I haven't had a chance to listen to it all that much yet. Uh, they'll be headlining uh, the Sunday, maybe not the top headliner, but they'll be one of the uh, few at the top on Sunday at Shaking Ease down in Atlanta in May. And their last album, called Ports of Moro, was the best album of this decade so far. New Shins here. My name is Brian Stone. This is the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Like, share, and always love. Rate and review if you get a chance. Coming up next, Clyde Stubblefield. Put together a little drum beat, as simple as it might sound, in 1970 as a member of the James Brown Band and accidentally revolutionized an entire music industry. I'll tell you more about that next. He's from Chattanooga, Tennessee, as is this podcast. Coming up next, hang tight. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Welcome back to the show. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast. This is Mo from back in the 90s. Album's called No Doy. They played at the Sweetwater 20th anniversary party show daytime extravaganza on the 19th on February 19th. And it was uh, it was a ton of fun. I got hooked up and got a good situation. And I know this is circumstantial, but... The most gorgeous day ever, mixed with a low ticket price and a comfortable setting and great music. It was a good time. I really, really did enjoy it. After dogging out, Mo, the last time I saw him at the Brewfest down in um, in Chattanooga here a couple of years ago. But sometimes it's all about timing and it's all about who you're with and how the weather is and all those kinds of things factor into this. So I appreciate you finding the show. Going to wrap things up here pretty quick. The other day I was stumbling around through the headlines and through, you know, just the the blurbs of the day. I, I mentioned earlier I still look at the newspaper every day, and I also, you know, dig through all the headlines online. And I saw Clyde Stubblefield had died. Now, who is Clyde Stubblefield? I recognize the name. I'm not going to act like I'm some, you know, eclectic mind that knows all these different names from the city and all these incredible, you know, this wealth of information because I'm not. But I recognize the name and I started looking. I saw this is a Chattanooga guy. He died on February 18th or 17th or 18th, uh, a couple weeks ago, week and a half, week ago, whenever it was. Died at the age of 73 of kidney failure. Lived a very full and fulfilling life. And so I start looking and I see, okay. Born April 18th, 1943, Clyde Stubblefield grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. As a youngster, his sense of rhythm was influenced by the industrial sounds of factories and, cha- tra- and trains around him. He was inspired to pursue drumming after seeing drummers for the first time in a parade while living here in Chattanooga. He played professionally as a teenager and, and in And in the early 1960s, he joined with guitarist Eddie Kirkland and toured with Otis Redding. In 1965, he joined the James Brown Band. Now, he spent most of his life in Madison, Wisconsin, most of his adult life. He lived here. doesn't say until what age he left here, but it looks like he was an early teenager that he was raised here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, 
1969, I don't know what album it was, but James Brown recorded an album, and on that album was a track called Funky Drummer. It was released in 1970. It's a seven-minute song. It's really long, so I'm not going to play long portions of it. But at about the five-minute and 34-second mark of the song, there's a little breakdown, almost like a little transitional bridge, if you will, of the song, and it's a drum beat by Clyde Stubblefield. So this is the just the drum beat. It's about 30, 40 seconds of at the five and a half minute point of this James Brown tune called Funky Drummer. And it's just kind of transitional. Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? Ain't it funky? And then it just moves into a back into the jam session of the song. Okay, it's just a little simple drum beat, right? Like, no big deal, I mean, right? Well, no, actually not correct. Turns out it is a big deal to where Clyde Stubblefield might have stumbled into accidentally creating one of the most influential drum beats, maybe in the history of music, but certainly in the history of contemporary electronic DJ-driven produced music, EDM, those kinds of things that have become overly popular since the explosion of hip-hop in the late 1980s and the early 1990s. So I start looking around some more, and I see there's this movie, this rock doc, put out by uh, PBS. It's a documentary series from Independent Lens. And I remember when I was growing up, I thought, if you're making music outside of a traditional instrument and playing it, well, you're pretty much a fraud. Like, you're not real. You're not a real musician. And I'm, I was wrong. I, that was incorrect of me to think of that at the time but that's how i used to think in this documentary called copyright criminals we're sampling if you remember back in the two biggest ones that became some of the biggest conversation pieces were back in the early 90s vanilla ice and mc hammer using those familiar beats to make quote-unquote new songs and so there was a lot of argument about whether these were real or not this is a clip from that documentary steve albini a recording engineer I've made records with a lot of people. Probably the most famous would be Nirvana, the Pixies, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. As a creative tool, like for someone to use a sample of an existing piece of music to, and then for their music, I think, I think it's an extraordinarily lazy artistic choice. It's sort of like like a bad dance move or something like that. You, you, you think the people doing it should be embarrassed for behaving this way, or you, you think the people doing it should be self-aware enough to understand that what they're doing is cheap and, and, and easy, and everyone else can tell that it's cheap and easy. The argument that a sampler is no different from any other instrument is absurd. It's absurd because no other instrument allows you simply and easily to take someone else's life's work and put your name on it. Now, I used to think that exact same way, but my mind has changed over the last 20 years or so. From that rock doc, Copyright Criminals, this is an organization called Digital Underground, and the DJ producer is named Shock G. Perhaps it's a little easier to take a piece of music than it is to learn how to play a guitar or something. True. Just like it's probably easier to snap a picture with that camera than it is to uh, actually paint a picture. But what the photographer is to the painter is what the modern producer and DJ and computer musician is 
to the instrumentalist. And the final clip from that movie, Copyright Criminals. This is Jeff Chang. He's a co-founder of Soul Sides Records, and it leads into actual words from Clyde Stubblefield himself talking about his drum beat. James Brown's music was so useful, I think, to a lot of hip-hop heads because Clyde Stubblefield's the epitome of the funk. When I sat down, I just started playing a beat, something simple, and everybody joined in. And then Brown came in and put the lyrics to it, and it was called Funky Drummer. Next thing I know, all the rap artists was using it to uh, the sample it. I went, okay, why didn't they choose something else like uh, Cold Sweat or uh, I Got the Feeling or something, you know, but they chose that. So. <laughs> So that was Clyde Stubblefield himself about five or six years ago talking about when he finally realized that his drum beat had become such a a regularly used sample. So I started looking at how many bands or artists, hip-hop, rock, pop, whatever genre, have actually used this sample. And it turns out that the number I came up with was 1,366 commercial recordings were produced and released for profit using at some point a sample of that drum beat from that James Brown's tune, Funky Drummer, back in 1970. Over 1,300 recordings. So you think, okay, these are a bunch of just cut-rate hip-hop artists, right? Or a bunch of stuff we've never heard of. Well, yeah, there's plenty of that. There's plenty of stuff you've never heard of. And there's plenty of stuff you have heard of, including like Nine Inch Nails, and they did a lot of remix stuff. So I didn't count that because they did lots of experimental remix things. Several others. Shanae O'Connor was in there with some remix stuff. I left those alone. I used just the original recordings, and I picked out five real quick. And we'll start with one of the bigger explosions from the very early 90s, Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg, This Is Let Me Ride, and the sample from Clyde Stubblefield's Funky Drummer. And it starts right here. With all the niggas saying. So I'll play this, and then in the middle will be the actual drum beat from 1970. That's the original recording. Basically seamless. Just another So I move on to another huge hip-hop act and performer from the 90s and all the way for a couple of decades. LL Cool J, Mama, said knock you out. And this one goes pretty much throughout the entire song. the original recording. Keep in mind, I am the uh, my own producer, so I don't have anybody to bitch at if I say, hey, that wasn't the best uh, audio editing you could have done there on the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. These are sample beats from Clyde Stubblefield, a Chattanooga native who died last week. So, all right, so we move away from hip-hop, and this is more of an experimental rock, hip-hop kind of mix, Sublime, which could have been one of the biggest bands in the history of rock and roll, if not for a heroin overdose from their lead singer in the 1990s. This is a Grateful Dead song called Scarlet Begonias. You'll recognize it here in a minute. And this drum beat goes throughout the entire song. 
So you can look at that and think, all right, well, where's some stuff that got really big numbers, like stuff that the mainstream's heard of? Well, I'm glad that you asked, because there's plenty of that as well. From back in the 1990s, this is Freedom 90 from the late and legendary pop international superstar, George Michael, using that Clyde Stubblefield sample on this tune. It almost became at some point, especially in the 1990s, that if you didn't sample Clyde Stubblefield's drum beat from Funky Drummer, then you weren't you hadn't made it yet. It was almost some kind of rite of passage for a long time. Maybe it's gone by the wayside now. I'm not sure. I've just started doing research on this in the last week. So one more clip here to get still not very contemporary because she hasn't done any music in a long time, at least not any mainstream music. And speaking of things I used to think was lame that I realized wasn't lame at all, Alanis Morissette is one of the most talented women musicians in the history of rock and roll. And I was always like, oh, man, she sucks. Alanis Morissette sucks. Well, it's a little more subtle in this version of of this sample of her hit in the 1990s, Head Over Feet. This is Alanis Morissette on the Stone On Air podcast. Starts right here. Back to 1970. Again, there you had to you had to listen a little closer. It was a small sample. Point being is it is incredible that this man from night from Chattanooga, Tennessee, who had an extraordinary career as a sessions drummer meaning that sessions players basically mean you have the talent you have the chops to be able to play music at a high level but you might not necessarily have the creative genius that it takes to make music not just necessarily once but consistently to be able to be that kind of top star those people are in very high demand and that's what Clyde Stubblefield ended up being his entire career because he was that good from a talent level and he just happened to stumble into a drum beat that isn't all that intricate, that isn't all that even that good really. It just happened to fall into a time period in the late 80s and into the 90s 
that made it iconic and virtually to a certain degree revolutionized a certain kind of music in the late 20th century and into the 21st century and he's from right here in chattanooga tennessee my name is brian stone this is the stone on our podcast it's the most downloaded it's the most easily accessible it's the most listened to podcast in the city like share and always love rate and review if you get a chance and always remember do not be a fraud the truth is incredibly easy to remember and every single week this space gets bigger and I ask you for the rest of this year and the rest of time to continue to watch it. We'll talk to you again next week. See you.